All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has passion, a strong passion specifically in health for making other people healthier in this world, people that have taken a stand, a deliberate approach of, hey, I'm going to devote myself to helping other people get healthier. This show's for you. So hope you like it. Um, you know, definitely we have a lot of great leaders on the show. Great leader I'm excited and very enthused to have today is Pam Stoyanoff. Pam is the Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Methodist Health System. She's done some awesome stuff. She's doing awesome stuff. She has a lot of passion in this field, but I'm not going to steal her thunder. Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. No, great to have you. Thank you for making time. I guess, Pam, I'd love to start off with your origin story. Teleport us or transport us back to where it all started. Maybe, you know, hearing the series of steps that you partook in your career and throughout your life that have led you to where you're at today. Sure, happy to. Well, I actually hail from Chicago. Um, and where I was born and raised, and I uh, spent um, my early years in healthcare there. But I'm going to be honest, you know, I kind of stumbled into healthcare. It wasn't necessarily on my radar to, to do. I started work in the finance field. I worked at um, Arthur Anderson and Company, which, you know, years ago used to be a really good thing to say. But in any event, um, worked there, and when I left there, I was actually going to go work for a chemical company. and had a partner call me and offer me a healthcare job with one of his clients. And so I took that instead, and that's kind of how I happenstanced into healthcare. It wasn't really at the time a passion. It wasn't necessarily something I had even thought of doing. But over the years and through the career that I've had, um, it has become a passion. It's become something that I, I really enjoy doing, and it's mostly from the perspective of helping people um, recover from illness. Um, and I think, you know, my personal connection to it also comes from the fact that uh, my husband of 31 years um, has been a, a diabetic since he was a child. And he's actually gone through a lot of health issues throughout his life. He's had a, a heart bypass surgery when he was uh, 39 years old. He's had um, a toe amputated from an infection. I mean, he's he's just had all kinds of things, been in the hospital off and on throughout the years that we've been married. And, and as I've been with him and seen how healthcare is delivered. Um, my passion for trying to improve it and, and improve that care delivery has grown. You know, we we have come a long, long way, but we still have a long, long way to go. And so I'm I'm just uh, you know part of my personal mission is to try and do all I can to make it better for everybody. I love it. I love it. Well, so first of all, I definitely empathize and honor and appreciate you know your your background and your passion for. Uh, you know, improving care. Uh, it's, it's really great to, to, even though obviously a series of unfortunate, you know, from your, your husband's health perspective, but it's obviously with that has provided with it a, a, an empathy and, and level of opportunity that seeps its way into your career, your life, and obviously you're impacting so many. So, I mean, it's, it's such an amplification. Um, so it's super exciting, uh, you know, to hear what you, what, you know, where you've been, but Pam, you know, I guess along those lines, tell us about, there's so many interesting things you're, you're touching upon daily in your career at Methodist Health System. Tell us about one or two things you're super passionate about or, or have you really fascinated by these days in health and also why, you know, just love to hear a little bit more about that. 
Thanks. Well, you know, a few things are kind of, um, you know, even almost, um, they're going to sound kind of normal. But one of the sure. things that's exciting to me is that, you know, physicians um, and the administrative side of healthcare, and I'm obviously on the administrative side of healthcare in my current role as an operations leader, um, physicians and administrators have long um, kind of had an, almost an adversarial relationship. And which has really prevented us from doing some things that we could do better in terms of improving health and welfare of the patients we serve. And so one of the exciting things for me is that at least in our healthcare environment, we see physicians and, and administrative leaders come together. There's more physician leaders in healthcare these days, um, and we're working you know, together on trying to improve clinical pathways and ways that we deal with specific illnesses and so forth. So that has me excited. I think I think on the consumer side, though, you know, we're becoming more transparent and consumer focused. Um, you know, we're learning how to care for the whole person and not just provide that technical, um, you know, care. I mean, in years past, patients came in and we said, you know, don't ask questions. Just, you know, just we'll take care of you. You just need to do what we say, etc. And now we're becoming more concerned about the body, mind and spirit or soul mm -hmm of a person and, and trying to care for them and their family, you know, not just the patient, but them and their family around, um, not just their physical well-being, but their mental well-being as well. And that's exciting to me, um, too. And I also think that, um, you know, we're, we are starting to better tackle those social determinants of health, like, mm -hmm. like the opioid crisis we hear about, you know, nationally. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to realize that if we can help people lead better lives prior to illness, you know, we can help them eat right, exercise right, um, interact right, be mentally and socially fit, that, that they can, you know, they can pr prevent a lot of things from happening that cause them to come to the hospital. And, and even though I know that ultimately that might mean less business for my current um, employer, you know, that it's the right thing to do. And so managing the health of populations right. can really change the course and cost of healthcare. And I'm excited about a lot of what is happening around that venue currently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is, this is really great. I really appreciate, um, you know, highlighting, you know, these things. And so it sounds like just to play back a little bit, you know, the unification, right? So, you know, staff, physicians, executives, the unification there is happening. Yes the unification um, of, of families and the patient along the lines holistically of mind, body, and spirit. Then furthermore, diving a little bit deeper, you know, we're entering this value-based world and, you know, having that discernment to really address the underlying social factors and, and you know, social determinants of health. Um, so Pam, really, really fascinating, right? So you have a vast background in um, transformation, financial operations. Tell us a little bit deeper on social determinants of health. So, you know, we have a lot of uh, healthcare executives on the show. We've been touching upon SDOH and social factors and social determinants for a little bit now. But tell us a little bit on, you know, from more from your perspective on a, on a tactical level, what are some of these like social services in the area that you're referring out to? So like maybe tell us a little bit about um, yeah, food insecurity, shelter, you know, all the different elements. And, you know, I just love to hear a little bit more on, on, on a ground level, uh, get into the dirt a little bit of, of what some of these services can look like. And, you know, what do you see growing and how are you guys growing it? Just love to understand a little bit more in substance, you know? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, um, you know, place for healthcare institutions to go because traditionally, 
you know, it really hasn't been our focus. We, we've been more concerned about um, the episodic care of a patient. You know, so when they come to hospital sick, we're going to fix them and then we're going to send them home. And, you know, we're not going to pay much attention after that. And, and we're starting to pay attention. And so for us, we actually do some of those things that you mentioned ourselves. Um, you know, we have case managers and clinical social workers who, for lives that we manage um, through some of the uh, provider relationships that we have or payer relationships that we have, mm-hmm. we actually have some of those folks who will go into the home, you know, when we're trying to manage their care and they they keep coming back to the hospital, they're readmitted all the time or they're frequent flyers to our emergency room and, and all that. We will actually go into their homes and we have some unbelievable stories about patients you know this is why they get sick you know we we they come in and they have congestive heart failure uh we send them we you know we give them medication we send them home they go home there's no one to take care of them they don't have any family they're not getting any food or they can't afford their medication so we have programs that we work with that provide medications to these folks we have shelters that we work with that can provide lodging if they need it we have agencies we work with that can provide food like meals on wheels and catholic charities and all of those other agencies that we connect with to help the patient but we actually try and go into many of those homes ourselves to make a determination of what is it in the home that's preventing this patient from being healthy and it's it's that with that focus that we we go in there in the first place and it's it's interesting you know we we have patients that come in and they're sick we send them home we go in the home and you know maybe they're a single mother with five children and they have to feed their kids so they can't afford to eat themselves i mean it's it's so sad you know it's almost shameful um that we're not doing better but but those are some of the specific things that we do we'll even provide some of that ourselves we'll provide some medications ourselves free of charge or um, you know, meals to tide them over until we can get them affiliated with someone else who can help them or a physician. You know, we we have free clinics that we have as a part of our system and we will connect folks that you know can't afford to pay with one of those free clinics so that they can see a doctor and and, um, you know, get that care that they just they don't until they are really sick. And then they just come into the emergency room mm-hmm. and they never really solve the problem, the underlying problem. So. So for us, you know, it's all of those kinds of things. And I think the challenge is that, you know, we don't get paid for it. Um, Right. I mean, that's you know, we don't get paid for it. And so, you know, most of us, I think most health systems have the knowledge base to do a whole lot more than what we are doing. We just, we just don't get paid for it. And you can only dedicate a certain amount of your resources to efforts like that. So that's what really needs to be fixed. Um, The alignment and the incentives you know, aren't there, there, there's no alignment of, of incentives, you know, for healthcare to do that. So we're still paid well to take care of that episode. We're not paid well to take care of what happens before and after. Um, and until that changes, I think we're still going to struggle. Okay. Okay. No, this is great. Yeah. No, it's super, super great stuff you're, you're doing here. This is really exciting to hear. Um, what I, uh, and this is more like almost like a, a, a a personal question on my end. So as I, as I run, you know, my own digital health company, I think a lot about operations and I try and wake up and go to bed at night discerning if I'm looking at the right operational metrics and processes and if I'm improving and transforming the right elements in a systematic way with, with everyone involved. Curious from like the modern chief operating officer mindset what is the the operations of of a hospital so many different things going on can you tell us a little bit about your mindset on how you think about operations you know 
maybe like numbers you look at, top processes that you want to, you know, are, you know, you go to bed at night and you're like, wow, you know, I worked on these things. These are the things we're transforming. So just love to hear more about like operations, operations metrics. Like, how do you, how do you think about it? And then to the other chief operating officers listening for other hobbies, hospitals what's one or two things or maybe like an up-and-coming <laughs> chief operating officer what's one or two things that you would advise them on you know hey as you're growing in this field here's one or two things that really worked worked for me or works for me when looking at operations in a hospital so um i think the first thing i would say is that you know quality and cost are not mm. mutually exclusive so <laughs> you can improve quality while reducing cost i mean you mm -hmm. actually can do it and we've mm -hmm. we've done that here but it starts with quality. You know, we want our patients, um, we all want our patients to be cared for in the best way possible. And so we have to measure that. And for us, you know, we look at um, overall mortality, right? We want people walking out of here vertically <laughs> rather than horizontally, right, as much as possible. So we, we look at um, overall mortality. We look at uh, patient safety indicators, things like falls and infection rates and readmissions and all of those kinds of things. So we have many metrics that we track and 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 really you know how do we know that we're getting there on the quality you know from a quality perspective I mean, how do we know that we're doing a good job you know we could improve a metric but we still might not be doing a great job compared to the rest of the country so for us um, we utilize outside resources and benchmarks leapfrog is one of the ones that we use for quality they are a national organization established by um you know big huge employers like general electric and ford motor company etc who decided you know they really need to determine from a healthcare perspective and, and from all the money they're paying for healthcare, you know, where to send people because they want to send their employees to places that are doing a great job. Mm -hmm. So Leapfrog every twice a year gives uh, grades, actually letter grades to hospitals all across the country. And mm -hmm. for Methodist, um, you know, we're proud that we have a 4.0. So all of our hospitals have an A. You know, that's a judge of quality. And as an operational person, I look at all the metrics that are included in that. I, I develop them plans to make sure that we're getting there and that we're improving. And it's around those metrics that I talked about earlier. The other thing, you know, is like I said before, it's not just about delivering quality, but it's about the patient's experience and acknowledgement that they felt like we were caring for um, their mind and spirit too. Mm -hmm. And so that's around patient satisfaction, patient engagement. Um, and, and we do surveys for that. Most of us around the country, I'm sure, do as well. We've been on a journey to improve the scores in those surveys over a long period of time, not for the sake of the score, but because it is an acknowledgement that our patients feel like we cared for them in all of those ways. And so we, you know, we have a goal. We want to get to the 75th percentile. There's a database. We can measure it. Our system is right at the 70th. We have hospitals that are actually at the 90th. Um, so really, really good results, not, not totally there yet, still a journey, but that's another thing from an operations perspective, you know, how do we do that? And there are best practices around how you, um, how you improve patient experience, like rounding, hourly rounding on mm -hmm. patients, um, using, using, um, phrases like acknowledging who you are when you come in a room, sitting down and looking at the patient. And we can measure all of those things to make sure that our clinical staff is doing those, how well doctors communicate, how well nurses communicate, how quiet it is at night, how good the food is. I mean, all of those kinds of things are, 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 are aspects of it that we work on and, and have plans around to improve. And then I think the last thing operationally is really around financial performance, right? So you can't do all those things and not perform financially, no money, no mission. 
So, um, so we have lots of operational initiatives around that. And, and those are things around, you know, should we insource something or outsource it? Um, how do we improve all of our purchase service arrangements? How do we judge labor? Um, you know, we have very effectively managed labor. We've actually, um, been uh, acknowledged by that in the advisory board publications there, a national think tank out of DC. And we've been in several of their publications with regards to how well we manage labor and how effectively we um, hold our uh, our managers and directors accountable for labor management. So all of those things, you know, together deliver that financial performance that is so necessary in order to, you know, pump money back in for capital improvements and and labor rates and wages and all the other things that you need to do to make the system hum. So, you know, it's, it's kind of all of that together is is what I look at is my job operationally to deliver. I mean, that's that's my job is to execute our strategic plan. You know, it's our board's job and our senior leadership's job, including mm-hmm. me, to create the vision and the plan. But as an operational person, it's my job to execute it Yeah. Um, and, and do that exceptionally well. That, that at least is my view. I love it. I love it, Pam. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you. First of all, the mindset, the the passion behind it, but the framework, right? And then, you know, there's, there's, there's frameworks, but then there's execution upon it, right? So it's, it's about taking action, tracking and coming back. So I really appreciate that. Um, I have a, I have a Lean Six Sigma background. And so th- this is definitely resonating, you know, with me. And I think to our, a lot of our listeners out there that are up and coming, you know, hospital focused, provider focused uh, operations, you know, uh, I, I'm firmly convicted that, you know, this new batch needs a new mindset and I think they are ushering it in, but, you know, to, to learn these frameworks, I think are really key and having, you know, some good welcome boundary lines are, is pretty profound. So thank you for, for that, Pam. Um, I guess, um, we talked a little bit about mind, body and spirit, right. And how that's, um, how that's propagating into the patient world. And we're excited to see, you know, kind of like mind, body and spirit 2.0 and, you know, we're getting on the verge of almost, I think, 3.0, where hopefully we can start prescribing, uh, you know, more mind, body, spirit stuff, more more food as uh, over medication, etc. But Pam, tell me a little bit about in your role, resilience is really important, as you know, right? And so, but we've had previous guests talk about their own like personal health regimens, or one or two things that things daily they do that really works for them, or maybe weekly, like running or meditation. Um, you know, some people like eat like a fistful of kale every single day, but, um, what, what do you do do that, um, I don't, I don't, I, I drink this green crap powder because I, you know, I just don't, (laughs) I can't do the the former, but, um, what works for you, Pam? What, what's one or two things that keep you, um, focused and resilient and feeling, you know, healthy and joyful daily? Um, you know, one of the things that's funny, but sleep, <laughs> I mean, I'll just start with sleep. If I don't, you know, I really am one of those believers that um, eight hours of sleep is necessary and mandatory for me. And so mm-hmm. folks I know who say they can survive on four five or six, I, I don't know how they do it. So if I have less than eight hours of sleep, I don't feel good in the morning. I don't feel rejuvenated. So it starts mm-hmm. with that for me. Um, you know, I am an avid reader. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I leave here, my job is as many of us, I'm sure, extremely stressful, long hours, long days. And so when I go home, I need to kind of um, step away from that. So I'm an avid reader mm-hmm. and that relaxes me. It, it kind of brings me back down to earth. Um, you know, my exercise of passion is, is running. I love to run. 
Mm. Um, and I don't get as much time to do that as I wish I would. Um, but I do do that. You know, I, it, when I'm running, I can't think of anything else. And so it kind of takes my mind away from that. Um, but I think it's also about balance. You know, I think I, I'm a list uh, I'm a list person. I mean, I have a list for everything. I have a list at work. I have a list at home, you know, and I constantly feel like I need to check things off that list because from a, you know, being a, an accountant by trade initially, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very transactional. And so checking something off the list gives me a sense of accomplishment. And I feel like, okay, I got that done today. I got that done today. You know, I can sit at the end of the day and say, wow, I, I moved that forward. I need to feel every day that I've, um, you know, added value and not just to my company, but to myself personally. And so by doing lists and checking things off, I, I create that sense of value for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think th- those are some of the things I do. You know, I, I, um, I could certainly do better, you know, um, um, at, at, at nutrition and weight loss and all those kinds of things. You know, I, I've, I'm still battling those extra five pounds that, you know, lots of us do. So it's just hard, you know, it's really hard. But I think that every day, you know, you kind of get up and you start fresh and you tell yourself today's a new day, you know, and I'm going to do the absolute best I can today. And I'm not going to worry about yesterday because it's yeah. done and over with. I love it. I love it. No, Pam, I'm, I'm right there with you. And then, uh, yeah, on the reading part, I appreciate it as well. You're probably like me, you know, operationally, you have all these numbers and processes and transactions going in your head. You don't want to you don't want to turn it off because you don't want to miss something. And then what if you miss putting it on your to-do list, right? You know, you're, <laughs> you know, I'm a very checklist manifesto myself. Um, so, which is why I read comic books before bed. <laughs> um, still today, it, it actually helps me out a ton. Um, I, I, I try and, or kidding aside, I try and read some sort of fiction though. Or yeah, yeah, I do have a. Yeah, me too. It's it's not when I'm reading before bed. It's not a leadership yeah. book. You know, I do yeah. read that. You know, because you do, you constantly do have to learn. I, right. I think if you're not learning, you're slowly dying. So dying. you have to. You do have to learn, and I do that as well. But but when it's my time and it's before bed, you're right. It's fictional. Take me away. Yeah. It could be stupid, whatever. <laughs> just something that, you know, I I don't have to use my brain much on. Yeah. No. Absolutely, Pam. This is this is great. And um, I guess along those lines, I, well, first of all, I want to be sensitive to your time, but never want to end off an episode without talking about the future being future focused. And so obviously, you have. Such a vast background, great experience, great passion, very purpose focused in, in your work. And you're putting so many processes together. You're transforming a lot of ops daily. Um, but tell us about the future of healthcare, according to Pam. Paint, paint for us the future that you're optimistic about, the future you know we're marching towards, and you know in your heart that we are going towards. So, you know, for me, um, you know, kind of the regulatory environment aside, because that's, you know, who knows, um, depending on who leads in Washington, what healthcare is going to look like, right? It could either be, um, you know, if, if you elect a Bernie Sanders, it's Medicare for all. If you, if the Republicans stay in there, the, the you know, it's a competition and, and kind of stays the way it is to some extent. So, so I'm not sure what's going to happen and what healthcare is going to look like from a regulatory perspective or or exactly how people are going to access it. Mm-hmm. But what I do know that'll keep going and that excites me really more is, is just technology around healthcare and all the innovation that I think is coming. You know, we're, we're a field that, I, that lags other industries from an innovation perspective. I mean, I really feel like we lag it. And so when we're starting to look at things like machine learning and AI, 
and uh, predictive analytics and robotics and all of those kinds of things that are coming down the pike. Um, you know, there's apps that can track patients, you know, vitals mm-hmm. through the app and they, they can, they can based on those vitals, you know, start predicting when, you know, oh gosh, you know, in 24 hours, if this doesn't improve, they might have a heart attack, you know, so they can go to the mm-hmm. doctor now. That excites me. I mean, I really feel like irrespective of what the healthcare delivery model is from a reimbursement perspective, technology is going to keep marching forward. And, and I'm, I'm so excited about what they can do for people and how it might be able to help us deliver healthcare better um, and might help others, you know, become healthier in what they do. I also, you know, and, and it's back to that social determinant, you know, part of my um, issue with health is that, you know, we have to take personal accountability for it. And if, if I don't take personal accountability for my own health and you don't for yours and others for them, I, I don't know how we get them there collectively. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited about thinking how we do that and how do we help people, um, you know, be, start the journey of true health. And, and that does, you know, that, that is impactful to the, the population that doesn't have funding, you know, pop, uh, people that don't have a lot of money to pay for, um, you know, healthier foods, because they do tend to be more expensive, they end up at McDonald's, you know, how do we change that so that they can make the right decision uh, to be healthy and afford it? Uh, and I'm excited because I think there's things coming down the path that we're all looking at that can help drive that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unsustainable the way it is. I mean, we can't continue to spend this much money. And it's even aside from money, you know, we're just, we're not, you know, the United States of America is not as healthy as we portray to be uh, around the world. And and I want us to be a country that, you know, stands out, that, that we're the healthiest um, country, not just that we deliver great health care. We do. We're probably the best mm-hmm. in the world for delivering great health care, but we are not the best for being healthy. And, yeah. and so my excitement is around what can help us be healthy, right? Yeah, yeah. Pam, no, this is this is great. I really appreciate um, that that future. I feel like we're getting towards it. Um, I think the most important part is it takes leaders, right? right? It takes people to usher in and kind of like, um, you know, the unreasonable person, right? To kind of usher us in and, you know, break the mold to, to lead us into the future that you're painting. And, and it's, it's exciting, you know, lots of possibilities in front of us, like you're citing here and uh, you're doing them, you know, it's not, it's not ideas, right? You're executing on, on these things and they're, they're starting to compound and eventually, you know, it, it, it's just exciting to see how these elements compound and then with different hospital systems collaborating together, eventually we'll create a, you know, a societal shift um, or support the societal shift that is happening naturally. Right. So, um, I guess, Pam, um, first of all, thank you for making time. And what would be a good way for our listeners to get to engage with you or connect with you if they would like to do so? Um, probably just via email. You know, sure. that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I look at those every day and I'm really I'm up on it. So it's, and I'll give them my email address. It's Pamela Stoyanoff. So it's P-A-M-E-L-A-S-T-O-Y. A N O F F is in Frank at M H D dot com. Super, super. Well, well, Pam, thank you so much. Hopefully, you won't get thousands of emails. Hopefully, you'll get at least. <laughs> Actually, that'd be kind of cool. That would be. <laughs> but, uh, but well, or I guess a quality quality emails. You know, I yeah, quality would be good. That would be good. Yes, that'd be know, good. Hot operations and, and leadership focused uh, individuals reaching out to you. Or maybe, you know, it could just be a budding 
person that wants an internship, right, at, at your hospital that really wants to, to help you out or something. But uh, all in all, um, Pam, this was great. Thank you for telling us your origin story, um, where you've been, what you're focused on, and your vision of, of healthcare in the future. And to our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. This is for people that are passionate about health. Thank you so much, Pam. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.